Playing it wrong, playing it wrong. People hate us because we play it wrong. Yeah! Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode three of Playing It Wrong. Up this episode, the dungeon is trying to kill you. That's right, it is. So, you better roll for initiative. Oh, it has been a busy week, and like I said, welcome to episode three with our live studio audience of two puppies. One's growling, the other scratching her ear. All right. Hey, like I said, it's been a busy week, and lots of stuff happens this week. Uh, where do we start? Let's start with Kickstarter and the Zine Quest, or simply call it Zine Quest. I call it Zine because it's short for magazine, not magazine. That's just me. But, uh... Good old Gothridge Banner is gotten is getting some folks together on the Audio Dungeon Discord, giving out some tips and tricks, and hoping that this is going to be a good Kickstarter. I was really excited about this, and then I thought about it for a moment. It's like I have not got the time nor the uh, energy to do this properly. I've probably got some of the skills, but not all the skills that it really takes. But I'm admitting to myself that it was not a good time for me. What else is up? Mark Hunt has just put out BX Westerns. I think it's called Tall Tales, which I have not picked up yet, but looks awesome for using BX to run Wild West games. I'm sure it's going to be really cool. Well, like I said, it's already out. He's already got another supplement out. So, But like I said, I haven't gotten it yet, which is on my to-do list, but I've been so busy and work has been terrible. All right, what else is going on here? Well, I meant to get some more editing done on Scarinth for Sharp Swords and Sinister Sorcery, but that didn't happen this weekend because, like I said, work was hell. It was really, really busy and late every day, skipping lunches, all that great stuff. And I got distracted by the new shiny of Advanced Labyrinth Lord, which, if you're paying attention to the old blog, I took it uh, Thursday night along with Swords and Wizardry Complete and White Box and said, okay guys, which do you want to do? Well... They decided on Labyrinth Lord. So I'm doing some, got to do up uh, house rules and flushing out of a few things to get that ready. Not sure when that's going to start, but they're going to go start off anyway and keep on the Borderlands. Yep, going totally old school on this one. So most of that rants are going to be on the blog because there's going to be some crunchy bits. And I like doing the crunchier bits on the blog because that way people can read it, copy, paste, or just download a PDF for them to use in their home games because, hey, Sharing is good. Yeah. Yeah. So what was this episode about? Oh, yes. The dungeon is trying to kill you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about environmental hazards, not wandering monsters, not traps, environmental hazards. Now, let me start with my angry rant first, because I think it was either third edition or Pathfinder that had the uh, difficult terrain condition or rule, which was really, really kind of lazy, which is something we shouldn't do of saying, this is difficult terrain, here's the game mechanics. And, well, it's like a video game. It's like, okay, this scene, they're on ice, so we just put in the difficult terrain code, and that's what happens. This scene, they're in tangly vines, so we'll just put in the difficult terrain code and put the fine skin on it, and we're done. Tabletop, don't do that. Bad. It's a bit lazy, too. So, back on to my main topic here of the dungeon environments trying to kill you of environmental hazards. You know, just like traps, there doesn't need to be one around every corner, and just like wandering monsters, there doesn't need to be one around every corner. But, some cases, it makes things much more interesting. 
the train is not only a hazard to the players, it could be a hazard to the monsters. It could provide, if used properly, an advantage to one side or the other. So let's get on with some examples here that I've been thinking of. Okay, since a lot of adventures happen in caves or dungeons, there's going to be stalactites. Now these things don't have to fall randomly, but it could interfere with a low-hanging ceiling or a large enough stalactite for that guy swinging around the great axe of a longsword. Penalty to hit, or eh, knock one down, take a bonk on the head. And the same goes for lots of confined-type narrow tunnels that characters could be crawling through. Yeah, the humans gotta squeeze through it, but that little cobalt at the end is gonna, like, screw you up as he fills that tunnel full of, well, oil or arrows or who knows what. And speaking of cobalt, I had this little thought. It's gonna be so much funny because I know they're gonna run across it and keep on the borderlands. I don't think any of my players listen to this, so I'm safe saying it. So one of their first encounters with kobolds, the first thing to ask is, who's holding the torch? And then several vials of oil go flying that character's way. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All right. So back onto the topic. Anyway, not only do you have low ceilings, cramped places, you know, always it's the floor. Slick, uneven, whatever. It always seems to have that same mechanic of make a dex check or make a reflex save or make a saving throw. Usually, if you're doing old schoolish, probably breath weapon or something to get across it and probably move slower if you don't but kind of make it interesting where there's some consequence other than you don't move if you fail and make you know each one kind of unique. So, sure, you could fall into the lava pit, you could fall into the hot springs, you could fall into oh, the freezing lake, or there could be another monster within water or whatever little fallen thing there happens to be. Oh, another aside, fallen. I actually did this to them. I know I'm doing lots of little asides, but hey, I can do that. It's my podcast. One of the players was saying how useless and stupid gelatinous cubes were, which he doesn't say anymore because I put one in the bottom of a ten foot of a pit trap, and really, when you fall into that, <laughs> there's not much running around. It was so cool. I loved it. They didn't, but it was funny. <laughs> anyway, back to the dungeons trying to kill you. Okay, we talked about the floor, how it can be uneven, and ceilings, and why not just the air itself? Not just you can't see because it's foggy or smoky or cloudy. It can be hot. It can be cold. It could be slightly poisonous. It could be stingy to the eyes. But maybe not to the monster. It depends on the monster. It's part of your dungeon design. And that's what I'm trying to say. This is part of the dungeon design that I think it's left out a lot of times of an environmental hazard. So the room or the encounter can be interesting without having a weird demon idol shooting laser beams out of its eyes, which there's nothing wrong with weird demon idols shooting laser beams, but sometimes nature just needs to come in and screw with everybody. Now, I've been talking mostly about obstacles that are bad for the, the players. Now, just the actual physical obstacles, boulders, um, tables, chairs, whatever, things that people can use in the environment that both sides can use to their advantage. Generally, the monsters will probably have an advantage because they have that home court advantage. I mean, if it's artificial or something that's been moved, it's something the monsters probably moved there for the purpose of messing with people going in dungeons. But that doesn't mean the player characters can't use it too. So let them. 
you know, there just there may not be a codified thing in the rules about so exactly how much damage does a handful of gravel do, but hey, good DM will figure it out on the spot, something fair and interesting, and that's what this is kind of all about. Interesting. And the neat thing about this whole thought process here, it's something you can do with existing modules. Especially, I mean, there's lots of free stuff out there. There's lots of good free stuff out there. There's lots of mediocre free stuff out there. There's lots of mediocre stuff you pay for. There's lots of kind of eh, stuff that you pay for. But I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. The point is, you can take a module, add a bit of flair to it. It's like seasoning. You add that little bit of hot sauce or whatever to make things just a little bit more interesting. And, you know, maybe surprise that player who snuck in and read the module beforehand. That's not there. Yeah, it is now. Ha ha ha. Now, I know I said earlier that I like to do the crunchy bits on the blog, and this seems like it's more about crunchy stuff rather than, you know, just opinion. But my whole goal here is make each one of these unique. Look at the mechanics of whatever game you're using and figure out what's interesting, what's neat, and most importantly, what you don't use that often. If players have been making lots of the same kind of saves and checks, figure out a way to use checks that you haven't been using that often. Make it interesting and make those less used things more valuable. So there's no hard, fast, here's how you do it rule, other than sitting down, looking at what you got, and being a little creative imagination, or maybe like reaching out to some of the fellow... DMs, anchorites, peoples on the internets who aren't totally insane, and get some inspiration or some ideas. You know? Be excellent. Play nice with each other. You know the drill. So hopefully that little rant has given you some inspiration, and that's that's what I wanted to do, is inspire you to do do your own neat stuff. You know, like podcasts. Now I'd go on to call-ins, but I didn't get any, and I have to admit I haven't called anybody else either, but I sound like crap on my phone because it's got a crappy mic, and Kind of embarrassing sometimes. And things are still busy on the holidays. But don't worry, I'll try to reach out to somebody. To leave some comments on my favorite Anchorites uh, posts early on, and no one called me, but that's okay, because eh, last episodes have been a little bit of a rework with new ideas that I got from what I've learned and how I'm finding my own voice. Now, this is going to go on to something that I suppose should have went in the earlier epi- earlier in the episode when I talk about news and stuff, but it's ending up here because... It's stream of consciousness, and, well, I'm trying to put back podcasting 10 years. Yeah, this goes back to Eric Tenkar's uh, interview with, with uh, Vince. And I'm, I might make friends, I might make enemies, I don't know. But i got to say this, in a way he's right. Now, I'm not saying you have to have this awesome production quality or this perfectly made voice for audio or a standard script, or be perfect at timing and jokes and everything else. I want to say, like, on the technical end of just putting it together so it's listenable is something. And we can all strive to do things better. I don't think it, you know, myself, I know that the current episodes are better than the original ones, and I still have ones that just totally suck. I know that. I admit that. I've just started this, and... um, like I said before, I think I mentioned this before, I'm finding my voice, I'm finding my format, and always trying to improve. So, yeah, some of it may be legitimate in that there are gripes from people who are more experienced in podcasting than the rest of us, but that doesn't mean the rest of us can't strive to do better. 
learn from our mistakes, learn from the mistakes of others. And like I said, most of all, play nice with each other. And that brings us around to... Reading from the Holy Tomes. Alright, we are still on our little brown books, and we're still on Volume 1, Men and Magic. If you remember from last week, we were going over spells level by level, because the spell lists are pretty short in the little brown books. We did first level spells last week for magic users, and this week we're going on to second level spells. And let's just start off at the beginning with Detect Invisible, parentheses, Objects. And maybe that's something that we uh, forgot, is you can put invisibility on a treasure chest, too. An extra use of the spell that I think has been forgotten much because it's always used for let's find an invisible enemy. Boom. What else do we have? Levitate. Well, you know, this one really hasn't changed that much except for actual numbers, but it's, you know, levitate. Phantasmal Forces! I think it was changed to Phantasmal Force. Only one. There were multiples in the old edition. I don't know why. <coughs> so, oh, excuse me. This is about creating illusions. And it requires concentration by the caster. And will basically goes away if somebody touches it. So other than concentrating, hmm, it's not that much. But it does do damage as if the illusion is believed to be real. So, I remember in lots of the old old games we were playing, it was always, I'm doing an illusion of the Trask. Like, have you seen it? No. Okay, how about a dragon? Okay, good, you can do a dragon. And it'll do the damage of a dragon if someone fails. They're saved. That's pretty much how we house-ruled that. Locate objects. This is always a plot-breaker, because last scrying and counter-scrying spells don't get used that often. But anyway, uh, it's finding stuff. Um, uh, however, in the old, the exact nature, dimensions, coloring, etc. of some magical item would have to be known in order for the spell to work. Well-known objects um, can be detected. All the spell also gives you the direction of the object desired, but not the distance. The desired object must be... be Excuse me, the desired object must be within range of 6 inches plus 1 inch per level. So that's 60 feet plus 10 feet per level. Um, depending whether you're inside or outside. Um, I'm pulling the spell. I.e. a necromancer has a 16 inch range. So yeah, wait, 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 wait. wait. Let's go back here. Let's go back here. I, I, I always skip over the named levels because I thought it was kind of stupid. Yeah, I did. So... Magic user, magic user, magic user, magic users. So a 7th level ma magic user. Well, yeah, huh, you were a necromancer back then. Alright, invisibility. It's pretty much the same, but this lasts until, well, you do something, you know, just as far as you attack or anything like that. Uh, it only affects with attacks. Okay, wizard lock. Similar to hold portal, and we open with an ox spell. Not much of a change there. Detect evil it was always a breaker one, and it's always annoying when paladins do it, so wizards can do. But it detects evil thought or intention in any creature or evilly enchanted objects. Which I think sometimes, I know we kind of screwed that up back in the day, of just because they're evil, but they're not planning on doing evil, it doesn't count. So if I am thinking of, if the anti-paladin is thinking of puppy dogs, 
and lily fields and not like burning down orphanages or orphanages yes see this is you know we're, we're amateurs i like i screw up and you can laugh at me while i screw up and laugh at myself but anyway it detects thoughts and intentions so if they have no thoughts and intentions of evil at the time it don't work now there's esp which detects thoughts of any kind which is good is there's something behind the door unless there's rock or lead between you and it continual light well it's light it's the chem light basically okay and knock is the counter of wizard lock which opens locked and secret doors and portals and everything else so that is our roundup for uh, <coughs> second level spells and like i said the, the only two here that really really popped out for me that you know that always need a little more thought is to detect invisible because like i said i got lazy too thinking you know only if you're detecting an invisible foe how often do you use detect invisible to find treasure hmm? Hmm? yeah huh? we don't do that often anymore and detect evil is always like much like the early charm person one of those argument spells well he wasn't thinking of evil he was evil but he wasn't thinking of evil so it doesn't count so that is our wrap-up of our reading from the Holy Tomes this week. Thank you for listening. Like I said, it's been a busy week. Um, I have a goal this month of trying to get a Patreon started, but I'm going to do more planning that actually might happen in February sometime. So I'd rather do it, wait a month or so, and do it right than just jump through my butt and mess it up. So, like I said, thanks for listening. Hey, you can leave messages on the Anchor app. And you know what? If you're not on the Anchor app, guess what you can do? I reactivate an old email. So you can drop us an email at magicpigmedia at gmail.com. That's right, magicpigmedia at gmail.com. Or stop by the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. And that's the letter B, not B-E, because once again, I was an idiot when I registered the URL and too lazy and cheap to get the real one. Or you can hunt us down on Facebook on the Facebook page. Look for They Might Be Gazebos. This time I spelled it right. All right. So, like I said, thanks for listening. Roll dice. Have fun. Kill monsters. Take their stuff. I set that out of order. Doesn't matter because it's my, co my, my, co my, my podcast and, you know, I can screw up as much as I want. Thank you for listening. Have fun out there. Play nice. Play safe. Play crazy. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs>